0: Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, and then following in verse 17 and 18. Here's what the Word of God says. I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we bow before you, thank you for preparing our heart with hymns and songs of praise, of worship of Jesus, the gospel, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and the abundant grace that is given. Limitless, unmeasured grace for the day. Thank you for what we have in Christ. Thank you for the freedom we have from the law, but also the admonition that we are not to abuse our liberty to make it a license to sin. Help us, Father, to walk by the power of the Spirit to be balanced men and women, boys and girls, that would know the Savior and walk in his ways. Thank you for giving us these foundational truths today. May they be a blessing and a benefit to build us up, to guard our walk, to strengthen our testimony, to reach the last, and to see the whole body of Christ bring glory to her her head, the Lord Jesus. Thank you again for the book of Galatians and particularly the instruction found in these verses. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. So we're looking here at this whole great concept of walking in the Spirit. So let me remind you in the context that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey left Antioch on the Orontes there in Syria and took a ship, went to the island, and then went over to Asia Minor and landed in a uh, The Pamphylia region, but it appears as we know from the text that the Apostle Paul received some type of disease He was not planning on going to Galatia He did not plan on going to start these churches that we're reading about here But because of this disease that he received he had to get out away from the coast I believe and he had to get up to the higher land and he got to the higher ground and began preaching the gospel in In the cities of Galatia and many churches were established that we have studied and we have learned about Paul said, even in the book of Galatians, I didn't come on purpose to you, but I came because of this disease, and you received me as an angel of God, even the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul came in, maybe whatever disease he had, whatever convulsions, whatever types of things were going on, whether it was an eye disease or some type of malaria-like symptoms, the the churches of Galatia, as they heard the gospel, they said, this man is speaking the truth. Jesus is the only way to, to heaven. He is the only way of salvation. His death in place of mine. His life in place of mine. And they understood that, and they they grew as churches, much like our church here is. But after Paul left, we know what happened. Judaizers, these false teachers, came in and said, Hey, Paul only gave you half a story. By the way, don't even listen to him. He's not a real apostle. He's not like Peter, James, and John. Did he ever see Jesus? Did he walk with Jesus for three years, listening to the miracles and all the teaching? Don't listen to Paul. You've got us. We're trained men. Listen to us. And they began to listen. So Paul, in Galatians 1 and 2, says, don't follow the gosp- that false gospel, but remember that I was called of God, not by the will of man, and my message is divinely revealed to me. Trust the messenger and the message that he proclaims. Then, in chapters 3 and 4, Paul explains what justification by faith alone really is. How is one truly born again? How is one brought into a right relationship with the Holy God? And we've covered all of those verses. Now, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul is telling them, here's what your salvation looks like on a day-to-day basis. Do not put yourself under the law, because in doing so, you lose all the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the law does, for a quick review. The law shuts us up in prison. The law can only do one thing. It can reveal that we're sinners, and it condemns, it finds us guilty, and it puts shame in our life. Literally, it puts us in a prison, and it locks the door. And do you know who's not in the prison? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not in the prison, so he has no influence, and he has no power to work in our life. You put yourself under some legalistic set of rules to keep, you exclude the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life. As a matter of fact, you know what the law does. It reveals And it condemns and shames and finds us guilty, but it also provokes us to sin. It really provokes us to sin. If you have two identical houses with large glass windows right next to each other, and in one yard you put a sign, do not throw stones at the window, which windows are going to get broken? The one that you put the sign up saying, don't throw rocks at the windows, that's the windows that are going to get broken because the law provokes us to sin. It stirs us up. So we want to sin more and more. It just feeds our sinful nature. So the Apostle Paul said, Do not put yourself under the law, for in doing so, you lock yourself up. The Holy Spirit cannot work his power and his direction in your life. You will be found guilty, shamed, and ultimately under a curse. Now, the other problem with the Galatians was this. If they think they're free from the law, which they are, the option is to go to the other extreme, which means, good, then there's no laws I have to follow, so I can live any way that I want. I can sin, 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 sin with Jesus' permission. And he'll just forgive, forgive, forgive. Sin, 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 his grace abounds, abounds, abounds. And Paul says, no, don't ever use your freedom in Christ as a toehold, as a toehold or as a place of of opportunity for the flesh to work. You do not indulge in the flesh just because you're not under the law. Do you see what I'm saying? A lot of people say, yeah, I'm free from the law. I don't have to follow any set of laws, external laws for my sanctification. But then they go to the other extreme and say, well, then I can do anything I want. I can watch anything. I can eat anything. I can drink anything. I can go anywhere. I can do whatever because I'm still saved. Don't ever do that. Now, the Galatians were doing that. They were flipping from this legalistic notion to using their freedom to indulge the flesh, either extreme provokes and and just does not restrain sin at all. It feeds sin. And you know what happens when my sin is fed? My human relationships deteriorate. They get destroyed because I am selfish. I was born selfish. Trust me. Ask my mother. I was born selfish. July eighteenth, 1967, the boy that came out, he was selfish. He had a sinful nature. He wanted his way, his rights, his privileges, his, 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 it was mine, mine, mine. Nobody had to teach me that. It just came with my sinful nature. And if I'm walking in the flesh, if I'm feeding the lusts of the flesh, or if I'm living under the law, then I'm demanding my own way, and I will do anything to get it. I will, the, the members of my body rise up and battle array, and I will fight each one of you for my way. And it will destroy relationship after relationship. And the Galatian churches, they were biting and devouring and consuming one another. what do you think of that see people do you understand the the false teachers said you want to restrain sin in your life put a bunch of rules get a bunch of rules and write them down you follow that list of rules it will restrain sin in your life sounds like a good plan the problem is it doesn't work all it does is it provokes us to sin more and more and more we need something different than an external law to guide our behavior and that's what the apostle paul says He's going to give us today these three things. He's going to give us a command. Then he's going to tell us about a battle, a conflict. Then he's going to give us a contrast. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a command. We're going to look at a battle that's raging in us. Then we're going to look at a, a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. Because without this text, you are powerless and you are overcome by sin. And it will destroy you, your family, the church, the community, our nation, if we live in the flesh. Do you believe that? Look what it did to Adam and Eve's family when Cain lived in the flesh. Abel, my brother, boom, you're dead. You know, cover it up, bury him, let's move on with life. It's possible in all of our lives this flesh is evil, it is wicked. So let's look at the command. Chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, Paul says, in response to the possibility that you would indulge the flesh and bite and devour and consume one another, Paul says, I say then, in response to this issue of the flesh, here's what you do. Walk in the Spirit, or I would say literally walk by the Spirit, and we'll talk about that, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, everybody, you want the secret to victory over sin? It is right here. Walk in the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, there is a guaranteed promise that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice, Paul does not say, stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Because that's all our own effort. I'm going to stop doing this, stop doing this, stop saying that, stop thinking that, stop. You can't do it. You've got to be walking by the Spirit, and then there's the promise. The command is, you walk. The promise is, You're not going to end up fulfilling this lust of the flesh. Now, what does the word walk mean? Well, we understand, parapeteo. To walk means to take a path, to put one step in front of another, and to go to a certain location. I'm going a certain direction. I'm going a certain speed. That's what a walk is. 30 times in the New Testament, Paul uses the word walk, and it always means our lifestyle, our conduct, our behavior. So your walk, think about your walk this past week, not your literal walk. Your spiritual walk, your behavior. What was your lifestyle like? What did you read? What did you look at? What did you think about? What did you say? What did you do with your hands? What did you do with your feet? That is your lifestyle. That is your lifestyle. It is your conduct. It is your behavior. Paul says get your behavior, get your lifestyle lined up with the Holy Spirit. So you are going the direction of the Spirit, you are going under his wisdom, and you are going under his power. You are to walk a certain path, all right? You are to work, walk a certain path to fulfill the will of God in your life. So this word walk is critical. It is, what is your behavior? What is your manner of life? What is the direction that you're following? It is also present tense. Paul says, keep on walking every day, every moment. Keep on walking by the, by the Spirit's power, leading, and guidance, all right? If you do that, the promise is what? You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, And if you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, you know what happens to our human relationships? They flourish. Do you know what happens to your marriage if you're not walking in the flesh? If you get home and your concern is more about the others than yourself, wow, that kind of of lifestyle breeds grace and blessing and prosperity. Not financial, but spiritual prosperity. You go to your house living in the flesh you're making demands. I want this. I want this. I don't care what you did all. I don't care about your day, but I want this, this, this. You walk in the, in the flesh and your marriage crumbles. Your children hate you. They walk away from you and the Lord. The church begins to fall apart and break and divide. So this is a massive issue. This is a huge issue. Now, not only does walk depict our lifestyle and our Christian conduct, when Paul says you walk by the Holy Spirit, do you know what that implies it 's your responsibility. I would say it this way: Every day you have intentional choices to make, whether you will choose to walk by the Spirit or by the flesh. It is your responsibility for how you walk don 't blame your walk on me don 't blame it on your circumstance don 't blame it was what it was like in the '60s and 70s you can 't blame anything except your choices. So tomorrow you get up in the morning. You have intentional choices. Will you please and honor God by walking by the Spirit? Or will you choose to please and indulge your flesh? Now, which is easier? Which comes naturally? Oh, indulging the flesh. You know why? Because my flesh can handle things. I can taste things. I can see things. I can hear things. I can smell things. I have all these sensors in my body that I can gratify immediately. And in my mind, I can gratify sinful pleasures as I bring them up into my thought life. So for me to say no to those and to say yes to the Holy Spirit, it it takes something. There, there's some walking involved, some intentional choices. For instance, let's say that you have a big jelly donut full of, I don't know, whatever kind of jelly or custard you like. It's got lots of powdered sugar and, you know, that that's the kind of treat I love. By the way, I don't eat those anymore. But Picture you have that for a snack or next to it you have a bowl of broccoli. <laughs> and now you know you've got a choice to make what you're going to eat for a snack. Now the flesh would say, hmm, which tastes better? The sugary, delicious treat or the, these hard, crunchy, grainy, weedy, meaty <laughs> broccoli sprouts? If you're going to simply be passive... You're going to eat what's easiest and what tastes the best. You're going to go for that jelly donut. Even though in your mind you know, ooh, I'm going to have hardening of the arteries, I'm going to be gaining some fat molecules, and I'm going to be a little sluggish because I'm going to have a sugar high and then I'm going to drop to a sugar low. And I ha- I know all the consequences for my bad behavior if I eat the jelly donut. But man, that tastes 100 times better than the broccoli. But if I get the broccoli and I eat that, if I make a choice for that, well, then I know in the future I'm probably going to maybe lose some weight, I'm going to gain some especially good nutrients and vitamins, and it's going to help me. I'm going to live longer. I'm going to have a, you know, do you see what I'm saying? But if we're not intentional, we're going to take whatever's easiest, whatever's quickest, whatever gratifies. Paul says, no, you need to walk by the spirit. But let me make it really clear. It's not your effort, and it's not your will, and it's not your desires. You have a responsibility to walk and to make the right choice because you have the ability to choose the right and refuse the wrong. But God doesn't leave us without any power or direction. All right, so think about that. Walking is your responsibility. I'm going to take you to just a few passages. Go to Romans chapter 6 with me. Romans chapter 6 is what's going to help clear this up because walking in the Spirit, it's not some mystical thing where you wake up and you're kind of floating around waiting for a special leading or anointing of the Spirit. I know people like that. They say, well, I'm not going to do anything until the Spirit moves me. Well, get off the couch, get a job, get a life. The Spirit's not going to do that for you. you got a responsibility. Do you, so it's not that you're just some mystical thing, but it is very, very powerful spiritually. Here's what Romans chapter 6 says. Look with me at verse 11. Likewise, I hate to jump right into the context of this in the middle of this chapter, but we, we don't have a choice. Likewise, you also, here's what we're to do. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. I need to count it as a fact, consider it to be true, that my relationship to sin has changed. As I mentioned, I was born a sinner, and I still commit sinful acts. But listen, everybody, look, the day that this body dies, my relationship to sin will change, won't it? When my body is laying in a casket right here, I mean, you can come up and tempt me with all sorts of sinful pleasures, but what's my body going to do? My relationship to sin, is because I'm dead, has changed. I can't look at it anymore, and I can't taste it or do it. I can't do the sinful behavior because my relationship has changed. Paul says, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, your relationship to sin changed. Before, it was your master, and it directed the course of your life and your thoughts, but no longer. That power's been broken, and you don't have to obey its lusts. You don't have to go back to it anymore. You, you know the illustration of working at McDonald's. Let's say you worked at McDonald's for a really hard, evil boss. And he's like, I want you to go back and clean the greasy things with a, with a toothbrush and get on your hands and knee, and you have to do this, and it's awful, and, and you don't get paid anything either. and You just work and work and work, and finally you say, I'm fed up with that master. I want a new master. So you quit your job, and you go work for a new boss, and your new boss is fantastic. Gives you the power and the desire to do a great job. But you go back to McDonald's or wherever you were working and because you want to buy a hamburger or something. And the, the old boss says, hey, you, get back here and get working again. It's been a long time since you were doing this cruddy job. Get back here. Do you have to go back there and serve that old master? No, you don't. You can say, hey, I'm done with you. I have a new master. My new master is kind and gracious and generous and provides all my needs. But you know what we would end up doing? Yes, yes, sir. I'll go back and do it again. Sin used to have power over my life, it used to conduct my mind, my thought, my speech. My whole life was, was aligned with that sinful nature. But when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I got rid of that master. I have a new master, and he wants me to be a slave to him, to serve him and others in love. But the devil will come and say, all right, Brian, get back to your old sinful habits. Come back under the power of sin again. Please, please, please. And what do I, want? What do I tend to do in my flesh if I'm, if I'm passive? Yeah, it's easier. Far easier for me instead of battling the spiritual fight. Far easier to go along with my flesh and just coast, you know. A little sin here, a little sin there. It's not that big of a deal. This is what Paul is saying. Don't do. You have a responsibility to walk. So in Romans 6, we have to just consider our relationship to sin has changed. Now look at verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Whose responsibility is that? Ours. Therefore, you do not allow sin to reign in your body. You have the ability to say no to sin, finally, because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a new nature that wasn't there before. You guys, listen. When I was born, I had a sinful nature, and I was dead to Christ in my trespasses and sins of my spirit. But when I was born again, October 1st, 1993, God did not take my sinful nature and just say, let's spruce it up a little bit. Let's make it look a little nicer. Let's let it act a little bit better. My sinful nature never got better the day I got saved. Never once. As a matter of fact, my sinful nature has grown more corrupt. More and more and more corrupt, Ephesians 4 says. But you know what God did do? He put in me a new nature, a new disposition, ordered and centered on pleasing him. So I've got the sinful nature that's been crucified with Christ, but his passions and desires are still there to influence and direct me away. And then I have a new nature that has never sinned, that only wants to glorify God. See, God never made my sinful nature better, and he didn't eradicate it. He left it there. In its rotting, stinking desires, but he gave me a new nature to live by. See, do you see the battle going on already in us? So we are not to let sin reign in our mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. You don't have to obey it anymore. Verse 13, here it is. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. In other words, walk in the spirit. Don't present your bodies. Listen. Listen. Don't take your body and say, you know what? Today I'm going to let it serve sin. I'm going to let my eyes do sinful things. I'm going to let my mouth say sinful things. I'm going to let my mind speak or think sinful things. Do not present your body as an instrument of sin because that's going to lead to death, a premature physical death. It will. God is not going to let you live sinfully. He'll take you out of the picture. It's called discipline. He will discipline his children, even to the point of taking you home early to to heaven. But Paul says this, but middle of verse 13, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members, meaning your physical body as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you. I have a new nature. I can present this body to God's glory and to his service. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a decisive act. I'm going to be intentional in my choices. I'm not going to drift Notice, Paul doesn't say, I say then, drift in the Holy Spirit. No, he says, walk in the Holy Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, meaning I'm going to present my body as an instrument of righteousness for his service and glory. And I'm going to say no to my self. I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. All right, does that make sense? Take your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. You're in Romans, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Here's another way to look at walking by the Spirit. It's not really presenting our bodies as instruments of righteousness, but Ephesians 5, here's another way to think of walking by the Spirit. Verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. Paul says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. How much alcohol do I need to drink before it has a little effect on me? A little alcohol has a little effect, right? A lot of alcohol has a big effect. But Paul's using this for comparison. If I were to drink alcohol, it would immediately have some effect on my members. It would have an influence and an effect on the dexterity of my hands. W- it would have the coordination control of my mind and my fingers. Pretty soon, it would have a speech control. It, would, it has a thinking control. Then it even has an emotion control. I'd start to feel very probably funny, or I don't know, but I'd begin to feel different. That's the effect of, of alcohol on our system. Paul says, don't let that control you. Don't let that be the influencer in your life, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is synonymous to presenting your bodies as instruments of righteousness. It's synonymous to walking by the Spirit. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit direct and empower me to serve him. He's going to be the one that influences me. He's the one that's going to say, here is the way, now walk in it. Here is a need, now serve. Here's what I want you to speak, now speak. He's the one that is going to be, this word filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a command we're supposed to do. I already have the Holy Spirit in me. I now need to let him influence, direct, and empower me. I need to let him push me. This word filled same word used in the book of acts for the sail of a boat being filled with the wind what does a boat need in order to move a sailboat need to move on the water some wind and so as the wind fills the sail now you can direct that ship anywhere you want so i need to let the holy spirit direct my life areas of ministry areas of thought life think about things which are pure noble just lovely of good report it needs to speak It needs to affect my tongue so that my speech is now seasoned with grace and it's edifying to other people. It's not corrupt. It's not disrespectful or ungodly. But the Holy Spirit needs to permeate. By the way, this word filled, it's not only for the wind of sails, but it's for salt on a piece of meat. The salt goes to preserve and it affects the whole piece of meat. And I need the Holy Spirit to affect and permeate my whole life so that I'm doing the things that the Holy Spirit desires. Wow, isn't that great? That's what walking by the Spirit's all about. But the outflow of being filled with the Spirit is three things. It is singing and making melody in your hearts, admonishing one another with your hymns. Secondly, it's giving thanks for everything. And thirdly, it's submission. Let me say it again. The result of being filled with the Spirit is you will speak and sing hymns, encouraging and strengthening one another. You will give thanks to the Lord for everything, and you'll be submissive one to another. Now, there's another passage. In the New Testament, that gives the same three results. Are you guys with me? So, the three results of walking by the Spirit you're gonna sing and make melody in your hearts, you're going to give thanks and be submissive. In the book of Colossians, the same three results are found, but it doesn't say be filled with the Spirit. Take your Bibles, go with me now to Colossians. You were just in Ephesians, now look at Colossians chapter 3 with me. You want to know how to walk by the Spirit? Here it is. it is ordering your conduct, your lifestyle, your behavior verse 16, Colossians 3:16. let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace verse 17, whatever you do in word or de- do deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks and verse 18. Submission. Same three results. Singing and making melody, giving thanks and submission, but this time it's not being filled with the Spirit. What is it? Letting what dwell in you? The Word of God dwelling richly in you. Being an umpire in your life to direct your course of behavior. So all of these are synonyms. You guys, walking by the Spirit is not some mystical, abnormal, floaty, you know, it's not some experience like that. It is the normal Christian life, but I fear that our church culture today, that is not the normal Christian life. I fear that the normal Christian life is to be in the Spirit, which means you're filled with the Spirit. He permeates, influences, and directs your path. The Word of Christ is dwelling in you richly, and you know what to do, and you have now the power and the desire to do it. That's the normal Christian life. That's what we should all be experiencing on a regular day. And if we do that, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the promise. But the problem is, if we don't, if we're not filled with the word of Christ, if we don't have the Holy Spirit influencing and directing our path, if we're either indulging the flesh or living under the law, look out, wars and battles will come. We'll fight with one another until we die. See how important this is? Are you walking by the Spirit? Now, be very careful. This is what it does not mean. Walking by the Spirit does not mean it is your effort and it is your will. It's not like I'm going to try harder tomorrow. I'm going to try harder. I just need to know what to do. Um, and, and so it's going to be my decision, my will. No, it's not, it's not that at all. I'm going to take you to one more passage Philippians chapter 2. Let me go to one. You need, I think this is so critical. Philippians 2. Just so you know, it's not your effort, your strength, and your will. Because if you were to do that, you're, you're going to fall and fail. Here's what it is, Philippians 2, verse 12. Oh, what a great text. Now, you know, what, you know much about Philippi, the city of Philippi? The city of Philippi was very unique. It was a city like Rome, meaning that it, it was a colony of Rome, but it had its own jurisdiction and authority. It's very unique. It, it, it was, Anyways, that gets probably more than what I needed to get into. But the thing about Philippi, and I don't know if you've been to Philippi. I happened to be blessed to go to Philippi a couple years ago. And Philippi is full of mines, gold mines, silver mines, all sorts of minerals in the earth. So the word Paul uses here to work out our salvation, it's the word to mine out treasures from the earth. Think the Philippians knew anything about mining out treasures from the earth? Yeah, absolutely. How do you get the gold out of the earth? Do you, have to do, do you, just, like, do you just say, oh, I'm going let, let, to let the rain do it? No. What do you have to do if you want the treasures out of the earth? You got to dig. You got to work. Get a pickaxe, dig, get a shovel, dig, 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 dig. It takes your intentional decision and some effort on your part. By the way, the word work not only means to mine out treasures from the earth, but being a math teacher... Uh, like this it means to solve a math problem till completion to do the work to get a final answer a, a, a right conclusion kind of neat so here's what paul says verse 12 now you can see the philippians would really get excited about this therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence paul says hey you obeyed god's word when i wasn't even with you here he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling you have a responsibility your salvation, your sanctifying process requires intentional decisions. You must choose the right and refuse the wrong. You have to work it out. You have to come to the right conclusion, get the bottom line. You must dig out the treasure from the earth. You must work out. your. But listen, he doesn't just say it's all you. Look at the, look at the tension here, verse 13. For it is who who works in you? God. Yes, You have a responsibility to walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But as you're working out your salvation, it is really God working in you. All right? Here's what he's going to do here's his work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. There's two things God promises. He is going to give you the will, that means the desire. The Holy Spirit gives you the desire. And he gives you the to-do. He gives you the energy to do it. Isn't that great? We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Not some list of rules, but we have the very person of God in our lives who gives us the desire to be obedient. He gives us the desire to do good and right. And then he gives us the spiritual power, and all we have to do is yield and do it. We have to obey. That's all we have to do obey god obey the holy spirit say not my will but yours be done you know i really want my way i want that jelly donut i want two of them i want a dozen of them i probably could eat a dozen in one sitting seriously i'm, I'm always hungry but you know what i'm going to will not to do it but it's not my will it's just the holy spirit i mean okay, that's a food example but do you understand what i'm saying when it comes to spiritual things god says brian i want you to pastor a church i want you to shepherd a church no lord i don't want to There's so many more easier things I could do in my life. I mean, but that's not my will. It's his will. You know, he's the one that puts gifts us and puts us places. And we simply say, Lord, you have to give me the desire and the ability. And you know what? He has given me the desire to pastor. And he has given me, I hope, the ability to do it by by, by the Holy Spirit's power. But then we have to do it. You have to do it. So the tension, right? There's two things involved. Your work, to walk and to be filled, but then his power and his desire. All right. Well, that's as clear as we can get. Let me read it again. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will, to give you the desire, and to do. It's the word energy. He'll give you the energy for his good pleasure, for the things that please him. Well, that's the command. Are we clear about the command? Your responsibility, but God's power and desire. Now, there's a problem with that. Uh, Let's talk about the promise. The promise is you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I'm going to skip to the crucial parts here. Listen, everybody, are you with me? Very very carefully, Paul says he uses a double negative. And in English, a double negative means a positive, right? It, It means the reverse of it. But in the Greek, a double negative is just strengthening it. Here's what God says. God says, if you walk by the spirit, his power, his leading, his word, if you allow him to direct your path and you yield and submit to do right, you will never, never, he says it twice, you will never, no, never, never yield to the flesh. Now, you know what the flesh is? The flesh is not my physical body. The flesh is the evil impulses, passions, and influence of my sinful nature which, as I mentioned earlier, has not changed since the day I was conceived. It's been there, and it's there still. So I will never, ever yield or give in to those evil, evil impulses and passions and desires for my sinful nature, provided I've yielded myself to walking by the Spirit's power and and direction and leading. See, that's how you have victory over sin. You need to say no to sin and yes to the Spirit. But what's, what's easier? If you're passive, what's easier? The flesh. What's harder? To deny self and say, I, you know what? I'm not going to live according to my sinful pleasures. I will say no to sin. I will not have the immediate pleasure and gratification of my body. Instead, I will get my reward in heaven. I will, I will have delayed gratification. You know what our culture really needs? Lessons on delayed gratification. We really do. Because this world wants to, to gratify its desires how quickly right now if i don't get my burger in a bag in 30 seconds man am i mad not that i ever eat there i don't don't think i've eaten a burger in a wrapper for a long time but but that's what we want we want instant gratification i like i like oatmeal but i have it the old-fashioned way but instant oatmeal would be far greater if it had better nutrients because instant i want it right now our culture wants to fulfill their pleasures right now we're going to talk about the what the works of the flesh are and the, the works of the flesh begin with sexual immorality. We are living in evil times where people's, people's um, issues with, with sexual things are wanting to be gratified immediately. That is just evidence of the flesh. We're going to talk about relational things. We're going to talk about religious things. And we're going to talk about even drunkenness and other debauchery that just is so evident of, that it's a flesh. Paul says, don't even let that be named among you. Have nothing to do with it. Well, that's the promise. Again, I wrote this down, so I want to be clear about it. I'm going to read it just like I wrote it. Resisting the flesh isn't about our willpower. It's about the Spirit's empowerment, okay? It's not about your willpower. It's, a, it's about the Spirit's empowerment in your life. And it's not even trying to overcome the desire of the flesh, It's simply yielding to the goodness of the Holy Spirit. So don't try to overcome the flesh by your own strength. Don't try to resist the flesh. You simply you're putting the cart before the horse. You simply have to yield to God, and then you won't be fulfilling this lust of the flesh. All right, let's move on to the conflict because every believer has this warfare going on in them. Look, go back to Galatians chapter five, as we look at our second verse today. Galatians chapter 5, the rest goes quick. Galatians 5, verse 17. Here's what the word of God says. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So what you have within you is you have a battle going on every day, which means if you're passive, you're going to lose. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be intentional, making good, godly choices. If you are simply passive, coasting and saying, I'm going to let go and let God, you are going to fail, and you'll be living in the flesh, and you'll be acting like it, and it'll be manifesting in horrendous ways. Trust me, it will. So here's the conflict. This warfare going on you, verse 17 says, The flesh, which is what? Your sinful passions. Your sinful passion lusts against the Holy Spirit so your your flesh the sinful passions has wants and desires that are totally contrary to the goodness of the holy spirit and they are at battle and the holy spirit is in constant battle against the desires of the flesh so the desires of the flesh want something totally different than the desires of the spirit and the desires of the holy spirit want something totally different than what your flesh wants And so within you, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have your sinful flesh. They're always at odds with each other. They are are in opposition. There's a great battle going all the time. And the question is, who will you follow? Who will you submit to? Will you submit to the flesh, or will you submit to the Holy Spirit? The easy route is the flesh, but the Spirit has more power, all right? So the flesh has the strong desire to go against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. We don't need to obey the flesh. We we do not need to. You can say no to the flesh. It's called self-control. So take your Bibles. Let's finish with this last exercise, this little application. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Here are some definite words that say walk. So if we're going to walk this way, It means we're walking by the Spirit, we're being filled with the Spirit, the Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. So the the Spirit wants one thing, desires one thing for your life, the flesh desires another thing for your life. I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit desires, and then I'm going to tell you the battle raging in your head right now, in your heart right now. So Ephesians 4, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, Paul says, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering Bearing with one another in love, guarding to keep the unity of the Spirit. So, Paul says, the the Holy Spirit says this: I want you to walk in lowliness, gentleness. I want you to walk with long suffering for one another. I want you to put up with one another in love, and I want you to guard the unity. That is that the desire of the Holy Spirit, yes or no? Yes, that's the desire of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to walk that He wants that to be your lifestyle and your conduct. But do you know what the flesh is in me and in you? It says, no way do you want to walk in lowliness. Get up there. Trample on everybody else. Gentleness? These people don't need gentleness. They need a kick. So my flesh says, you're number one. You be the boss. It's your way or no way. And the spirit says, no. Walk in lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, in love, and you guard the unity. You know what my flesh says about unity? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You don't like it? Go well. You know, that's what, my, that's what my flesh says. That's what your flesh says. Your flesh says you want your way, and you would destroy the unity of the church to get it. That's the flesh. But the Spirit says, no, I don't want that desire. I want you to guard the unity. I want you to keep the unity. Don't let anything break the unity, even if it means you've got to be lowly and gentle, which is what it's going to require. So the Spirit wants one thing. Your flesh wants the other, and you're in battle. So what happens when there's a church conflict? are we walking in the spirit or are we walking by the flesh? We're walking by the flesh. But what if there's unity and loneliness and gentleness going on? Well, then we've chosen to walk in the spirit. Do you see the difference? Let's go on. Look at this next one. Verse 17. This I say in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Look at verse 19. Who passed being being past feeling have given given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness so that's my flesh paul says don't walk this way don't walk with with greediness with um, uncleanness with blindness with a hardness of heart don't walk that way because that's what the spirit wants the spirit wants me to avoid all of that what does my flesh want feed me feed me bring uncleanness bring impurity bring lewdness bring greediness Bring blindness to me. That's what my flesh wants. The Spirit says, I don't want, I don't want that. They're at odds with one another. Look at the next one, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. What does the Holy Spirit want you to do about lying? Just quit it. Put it away. Stop lying. What does the Holy Spirit want you to do? Start speaking the truth in love. But what does my flesh want? Lie, lie, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Not only here, but in politics. You know, people, our flesh wants to lie because we lie, we protect ourselves, we ruin everybody else. The Holy Spirit says, don't lie, speak the truth. My flesh says, lie, 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 get out of it. Get out of it. Come up with a creative one because you got to remember this one. That's what my, that's what my flesh says, but my, that's this, the Holy Spirit in me says, don't. You speak the truth. And he goes on and on and on. Let's go on to the next one. Ver, chapter five, verse two. Walk how? Walk in Love walk in love as christ loved us so the holy spirit says my desire for you today and this week is to walk in love just as christ loved you you love others the same way what does my flesh say no way i'm not going to love others like christ loved me that means i'm going to have to maybe sacrifice something of my time and treasures i don't want that i'm going to guard those with all my being so my flesh battles against the spirit the spirit battles against the flesh You, you wonder why there's any sanity around here this is, this is what's going on. This is what's raging in every Christian on earth. No wonder why church after church is splitting and closing. Because we have forgotten that we need to walk by the Spirit. So we do not ever, ever, ever fulfill the lust of the flesh. But then he goes on, verse 8, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk how? Walk as children of light. But what does the flesh want? Walk in darkness. You know why my flesh likes darkness? We can hide our evil deeds in darkness. The Spirit says, get it out in the open, get it resolved, get it out, make it light. And then finally, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. So what is this, what's the Spirit's desire? The Spirit desires that I walk carefully. Circumspectly is the word acrobat. You know how an acrobat's on a, uh, a tightrope? Uh, they don't have a lot of room to negotiate, you know, I hate height, so leave me out of the tightrope walker. But the acrobat, that's the word circumspect, acrobat in the, in the Greek, they have to walk very, very carefully. They have to make sure they put their foot in the next see, Look at my balance, even on planet Earth is so bad. But if I was up on a wire, man, I'd be over in a second. The Holy Spirit wants me to walk carefully. Tomorrow, choose my words carefully. Choose my appetites carefully. My affections, my affections, very careful mortify the flesh keep it dead don't respond to it that's what the holy spirit wants. what does what does my flesh want man they want to be dancing all around going every going off to the right going off to the left feed this do that that's what my flesh wants and the holy spirit wants, he, the holy spirit wants this you know and and my flesh wants everything do you see the battle going on which one do you follow it's the one you present yourself to it's the one that you say, here, I'm your slave. Use me today. You choose to go in the way of the flesh. You are saying, I'm going to follow those evil impulses and desires of my natural man. I will not obey God. That's what you're saying. I will not obey God. I will not have his power. I will not have his leading in my life. It's, uh, it's my own life. I go my own way. That's what fulfilling the lust of the flesh is. Boy, we could go on and on and on, but we're not. We're not. We're done. So let's wrap it up with verse 18, Galatians 5.18, last verse. Paul sums it up by saying, if I can get to it here, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, if the Spirit is ordering your steps, and you are following those steps, you are not under the law. You're not under the law as a way of condemnation, death, guilt, or curse. It's not regulating your life. Oh, listen, here, my last illustration. Hopefully this is a good one. Would hate to end on a bad one, but maybe, think about this. Do I need an external law to tell me to drive slowly in front of a school building where there's children playing by the road? Do I need a law that says, Drive slowly and carefully. I don't. I, I, I don't need that law. I would need that law if I only cared about myself. Who cares about those kids? If they run out. It's their fault. I mean, I'm just going to gun it, you know. You, that's awful because you're, there's, there's no, that's awful. I don't need a sign to say, be careful and attentive and slow going by a school building. Why? Because written on my heart by the Holy Spirit is love. I care about those children. I care about those families, although I don't know them. I don't want any of them injured. I don't want to, I don't want anything to happen, so I will be very, very careful. So the Holy Spirit writes in our heart the law of Christ, which is the law of love, and that's what I respond to. So if you are led by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit leading you, well you're not gonna speed by a school building with children present. But, so we're not under the law as a rule of life. Am I supposed to bear false witness? No. Am I supposed to murder? No. Do I need the external law? No, because the Holy Spirit is written on my heart. Don't do it. Don't even be angry with one another without cause. Don't even be angry, for in doing that, I've murdered. Do you see what I'm saying? So, if you are led by the Spirit, you don't need the law. Galatians, what are you doing? You're putting yourself back into the law. The Holy Spirit has no power, therefore no leading. Therefore, you're living in the flesh. You're going to devour one another. It's over. So Paul can't be any more clear. Now tonight, you know what we're going to talk about? Paul says, listen, I don't need to tell you what the works of the flesh are. It's so obvious. So either what's being produced in your life are these works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. And, of course, walking in the Spirit's going to produce what? Fruit of the Spirit, which is what we want. We want to grow this. Abundant fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, mercy. Self-control. There's no law against those. There's no curse for doing those. Free. You're free. Do them. Do them in abundance. Make sense what this all is all about. This really should change our walk this week. Remember, every day, don't be passive. Be intentional. Make godly choices, but do it in the power of the Spirit, according to the word of God, which dwells in you richly, which is his desire. Father, thank you so much for this time together in Galatians. It's such an important text for the normal Christian experience. But again, I think the church maybe isn't doing this as a whole. The church of this, of this age, the church of our culture. Our culture is materialistic and greedy and self-centered, and it creeps into the church. I pray that we would walk by the Spirit and never, never fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we do, Father, when we do fall into the flesh, give us grace. Uh, the ability to seek forgiveness and restoration, that abundant grace would be given. And, um, and all of this would bring about strength to the church and deeper fellowship with you. Thank you that you have not left us uh, as orphans, but we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God to direct and then to empower us. Help us to to be walking right this week, that our lifestyle and behavior would be worthy of the calling with which we've been called. We want to be like Christ, like Jesus. For anybody here who is not born again, I pray that they would know their sin has condemned them. They are locked up. They are sentenced to eternal death. But Jesus is the only way. He died in their place. He offers full forgiveness of sins. If they would believe, if they would trust him today, I pray that somebody would do that. And Father, for each one of us as believers, let us be walking in the way of the Lord. Thank you again for this time together as a church family. May Jesus be praised. Amen.